Thank you. Arnie? Our text this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. You can read along in your Bible or the insert provided in the worship bulletin. Matthew 14, verses 13 through 21. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate And were filled. And they took what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, if we were making a list this morning of all the hurts in the world, all the suffering, where would we begin? Just a quick look through the newspaper headlines, through your Facebook news feed, and you're embarded by suffering and pain all around the world. Violence between Israel and Gaza, violence in the Crimea Peninsula, a terrifying Ebola outbreak in Western Africa, the likes of which we've never seen, a U.S. doctor and nurse just transported to Atlanta, Georgia, lives hanging in the balance, along with hundreds more still in Africa, suffering and violence throughout Central America, so much so that parents feel the only option, the best option for their children is to send them packing, traveling the hundreds, thousands miles to find safety. And that's the news this week. But this week is one more week in a long decade of bad news. What about the countless that still suffer today? from the 2004 tsunami in Thailand, or the 2010 earthquake in Haiti on our mission trip at one of our ministries we served, Feed My Starving Children. The food that we packaged, about 90%, they said, still goes to Haiti, where there is such great need. Or the 2011 earthquake in Japan. And that's around the world. What about those in our country still recovering from tornadoes and hurricanes and names of cities that are only famous because of the disasters that have happened there? Those recovering from recession, from a housing crisis, not to mention those who are suffering every day of every week as they try to make ends meet, pay the bills, find adequate medical care and work. So much suffering, so much need, so much that we are paralyzed with inaction. What can we do in the face of such suffering? A small church in a small community in small central Iowa. 
What can we do to impact the suffering around the world? And where would we even start if we knew what to do? I just can't help but think. That's how Jesus feels this morning in our text. Overcome by so much need and suffering. Here we are in the middle of the book of Matthew. And there's been story upon story of people coming to him with great need. Everywhere he goes, people are waiting Seeking out help. The story we just read comes on the hills of devastating news. Verse 1, or verse 13, the first verse we read, said that now when they heard this, the this being referred to is the story right before our text, the news of the death of John the Baptist. John, the cousin of Jesus, the one who prepared people for the ministry of Jesus had just been brutally murdered by a brutal puppet king, King Herod, to show off. And this news is almost too much for Jesus to bear. And so he does what we so often do when we just can't take it anymore. He just gets away, gets on a boat and goes across the sea looking for a deserted place. But he can't. He can't get away. The multitudes, many of whom were themselves disciples of John, they were devastated as well. And they needed Jesus. And so they followed Jesus. They found a shortcut and made it to the other side before his boat did. When Jesus got off, the people are waiting. The same multitude he had just fled from are right there on the shore, pushing into the water, their feet in the waves, almost pulling him out of the boat and submerging him in the sea. Jesus gets up, dries off, puts his sandals on, and begins doing what he had just been doing on the other side, healing. The text says he showed them compassion and healed their sick. So much pain, so much suffering. Instead of sending them home so he can have the time he needed alone, he ministers to them all for the rest of the day. But even that's not enough. It keeps going on and on until it gets to be too late. The disciples looking out for their teacher come to him and suggest that he just send everybody home. We've done enough. Let's just call it a day. After all, it's late. They're hungry. We're in the middle of the desert. There's nowhere to eat. Just send the crowds away, they say. And maybe they can find dinner on their own. And Jesus and the disciples can get that much needed rest. And when Jesus is presented with one more need on top of all that he had already met, he could have said, all right, it makes sense. We've done enough. Send them away. Let's get the rest. After all, there's more towns, more places to go. And no one would have blamed him and everyone would have thanked him for what he had already done. But that's not what he did. Instead, Jesus says, don't send them away. You. You do something. You give them something to eat. Now, what are these disciples going to do? They don't have any resources. They don't have any money. They have left everything to follow Jesus, and they're just as famished as the multitudes before them. And yet Jesus says, you, you feed them. And so they gather up the food they have to make the point to Jesus. All they can find is five loaves of bread and two fish. Surely Jesus will get the picture and they can move on and go to sleep. And Jesus sees what they have and says, yeah, yeah, that'll do. That is enough. Bring what you have and give it to me. And he takes 
the five loaves and the two fish into his hands. And in a scene straight from the communion table, he blesses and breaks the loaves, gives them to the disciples, who hands them out to the people. And we don't know what happens next. All we know is at the end, there are 12 baskets of leftovers and everyone has full stomachs. The text tells us there's 5,000 men who are fed, plus all the women and children, probably 10 to 15,000 people, much more than the population of all of Norwalk, fed with five loaves and two fish and with plenty left over. Now, I've seen a lot of people in this church fed with a plate of Carolyn's cookies, but cookies enough to feed the population of Norwalk and all of the south side of Des Moines. Now, that would be impressive. Would that we had that ability to make a feast for multitudes, then we could probably do something about all the suffering in the world. But as it is, it doesn't seem like we can do that much, especially when faced with all that there is to do. After all, we're not the largest church in town. We've been right here in this very same spot since 1869, before there ever was a Norwalk, yet people still ask, now where's your church again? Well, we make budget every year, but wouldn't it be great if we had more resources? What if we could fill all the pews and all the services we have to capacity? Then we could do amazing things. We'd have enough then. But as it is, what can we, Norwalk Christian Church, do with the little that we do have? Well, Take comfort this morning, because some biblical scholars have suggested that what happened in this story is really nothing miraculous at all. According to them, Jesus didn't really multiply the five loaves of bread into thousands of loaves of bread. No, 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 that's impossible, so we know it didn't happen. Instead, this is a miracle of generosity. That is, as as the disciples began to share what they have and other gospels tell us there was a little boy who brought his sack lunch and shared it. And as people saw their generosity, they were moved to have generosity. And so they dug in their bags and realized, well, yeah, we're hungry, but but we did bring a loaf of bread. And oh, oh, I got some fish, too. and, And oh, I've got some. And they began to share with everyone and everyone shared the little they had so that everyone had enough. Nothing miraculous, just a miracle of sharing. Sometimes biblical scholars take all the fun out of Scripture. But if we could, if we could, if we could get thousands of people to start sharing what they had with those who were in need, I might call that miraculous too. It's one thing to transform five loaves into thousands. It's another thing to transform greedy hearts into hearts of compassion. This past week, as was mentioned, Marty and I had the great privilege of being with our CYF students and sponsors on the mission trip to Minneapolis. And what a great group of youth we have. It was a lot of fun, but we'll say more later and tell some stories next week during uh, during the Bible class time, there'll be some uh, pictures available and we'll tell some stories during worship. But I must say now, it was perhaps one of the most extraordinary, ordinary weeks of my life. And let me explain. On this mission, we didn't do anything that fancy. There were no grand gestures for Christ, no great risks for the gospel. 
we just did a lot of ordinary things, like pulling weeds at a men's mission as we helped one of the residents, Gerald, catch up on his work so he could focus on his education and his recovery. Ordinary things like filling, like filling bags with rice and vegetables, vitamins and protein that would then be shipped to Haiti and to other countries around the world to feed starving children. Ordinary things like working in an assembly line. My job was to put two pairs in a box and then to put two more pairs in another box and then two more pairs in another box. What did you have, Jordan? You, oh, she, she had to put a bag of onions. She was just crying the whole time. It was very moving. But ordinary assembly line work, putting frozen meat into a box, putting produce into boxes that would then be distributed to food banks around the region. Ordinary things like cleaning up the grounds of a ministry called Dress for Success and sorting through and tagging clothes to, that would then provide free professional clothing to men looking for work. As we were doing these ordinary tasks, we learned that in order to accomplish what we needed to do, we each had to play our role. It may be small, but our role was one piece in the larger picture. And if we did it, if we did it together, then we could accomplish so much more. Our small, ordinary actions then placed into the hands of Christ were multiplied into something extraordinary. And these small actions that we did then made possible the greater work of these ministries that we served. As they then took what we prepared and distributed it to the multitudes around the, the region and around the world. As we sat in a room at the Emergency Food Shelf Network waiting to receive our assembly line instructions, on one of the tables was a placard with a saying on it from a woman named Margaret Mead who wrote, Never doubt that a small group of committed people can change the world. It is indeed the only thing that ever has. Faced with the needs of our world, faced with a growing community, with people hungry for hope, Jesus says, don't send them away. Do you give them something to eat? And he's not asking us to perform a miracle, but what he's asking us to do is to look within ourselves to see what resources we have. What do we already have here among us? What assets do we as a church have right now? that could be placed into the hands of Christ and multiplied into a blessing for the world. Well, we have a lot of talented people here. We have some great cooks and a church that loves to eat. There's some barbecue waiting for us after worship, but you got to finish worship before you can eat it. I don't think we've ever met as a church without being fed. Indeed, it might be possible, impossible to come together as Norwalk Christian Church without food. I wonder how Jesus might take that gift, the gift of sharing food and transform it into blessings for the multitudes. Well, here among us, we've got a lot of talented people, gardeners. We've got weavers and seamstresses and crafters. We have handy men and women. We've got classic car experts and some cyclists and kayakers and hunters and fishers. We have accountants and teachers and service employees and musicians and engineers. We have retired people with time and energy to spend in service. We have teenagers filled with compassion and talent who interact every day with teenagers living all around our community. 
We have young families with children on sports teams who play in city parks, who are a part of scouts, who are active all over the community. I wonder, I wonder how Jesus might take all these talented people and bless the multitudes. Here we sit in a building that's long been paid for with room to grow. We have two nurseries. We have several meeting rooms, a big kitchen, a basement with space aplenty that that the more you go down there, the more rooms you find around every corner. It seems there is a miracle of, 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 of rooms, thousands of rooms down there. We've got an empty lot right beside us that's green and full, ready to be used for ministry. I wonder, I wonder how Jesus might take this resource, the resource of this place, and bless the multitudes. And here we are, a part of the Christian church, Disciples of Christ. Not sure what all that means, but it means that we have freedom, that we have freedom of belief, that we have freedom to imagine new things, freedom to welcome all in a time when churches are known more for who they are against and what they do not accept, we are a church that welcomes all to Christ's table as Christ has welcomed us. I wonder how Jesus might use a church like ours with a message like this in a community like, like Norwalk. Don't send them away, Jesus says. Take what you have and you, you, with what you have, give them something to eat. Well, we can do that. And so we take what we have, these gifts that God has given us, our talents, our resources, our message, and we take it and we place it into the hands of Christ. And Christ blesses our gifts, breaks it into pieces that can be shared with the multitudes so that all may be fed. This is the call of Christ. This is Christ's invitation to us. Give them something to eat. Let us pray. Our God, we don't have much, but what we have and all we have, we give to you. Use us in simple yet powerful ways that we may bring hope and justice and love to our community. That through us, our actions of love could be multiplied by the grace and mercy of God to be shared with our world. Thank you, and amen. As we prepare to come to the table of Christ, we're going to sing a new song. The words are inserted into your bulletin. The tune, if you need the music, is to the uh, number 453, a tune that you may be familiar with. But let us sing all three verses of the song, Where is Bread? As we hear Christ's call to us and prepare to come to the table.